Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back. We've got a really fun show for you guys today. The topic of today's show, probably tomorrow's as well, is based on a new report that came out from WealthX, and we're going to talk with you more about that on the podcast. But the gist of the report is talking about the global millionaires, talking about numbers, it's talking about all the analytical stuff. These WealthX reports are made for people that sell financial services primarily to um, essentially um, to like companies that are trying to sell them into investments and sell them yachts and sell them boats and sell them, you know, luxury real estate. That's what WealthX is all about. So what we're going, we use that information from WealthX because Julie and I find it very fascinating because if you look on like halfway through the report, they start talking about how the people have accumulated their millions and the actual demographics of the people who have actually accumulated millions. And so what we're going to do is we're going to share with you guys a lot of information about this. We did a podcast about the same topic last year when they came out with their, uh, you know, previous year's report. And I have to say the feedback we got after it, uh, after that podcast was very uh, illuminating because really what it did, it shone light on the fact that a lot of you guys, and we did too, Julie and I did as well when we were coming up, have huge misperceptions about really what it takes to be rich, but more importantly, what it takes to actually uh, keep your wealth. So that's what we're going to be drilling down on. We're going to give you lots of facts and analytical information. Julie and I are going to talk about it. And I think along the way, if you allow yourself to be even a tiny bit introspective, you will self-discover that maybe one of the reasons that you aren't um, attracting more wealth to yourself or accumulating more wealth or earning more wealth or building more wealth, however you want to look at it, the reason you're not rich is because some misperceptions that are floating around in your head about what it actually means to be rich and, uh, and actually what it takes to be rich. So that's what the show is about. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. Um, so another quick announcement, Julie, I know you're on. I heard you were chatting with someone. If you could yep. mute your thing, that'd be awesome. Um, so we have, we have um, a big announcement. Number one, the show is now trending. This podcast is now trending to be the most daily podcast for real estate agents on planet Earth. And, and so what we're able to do is we're able to tap into new analytics that are showing that the podcast listens are increasing all over the planet. And that's pretty cool. I mean, it is just absolutely uh, overwhelming sometimes when I think about the numbers, just to share with you guys some facts. By mid-year this year, in the last reporting period, we should have, we should, should have based trajectory, 10 million downloads and listens. And that's unbelievable. If you think about what this podcast is, and the really tiny number of people that we actually have an opportunity to present to, relatively speaking, I mean, in the United States, there's only a little over a million members, National Association of Realtors, and something like you know 2.3 agents altogether in the United States. Well, then you look at Canada and Australia and some of the other places we're picking up listens and getting into huge numbers then, obviously. But just to be able to speak with all of you guys on a regular basis, and that's really what we're learning from looking at these statistics and the analytics on the show is we have a huge number of you that listen every single day. And um, Julie and I have podcasts we listen to every single day, and to be part of your lives on an ongoing basis is a real honor. And I, I mean that from the, just the most sincerest, purest way I possibly can. It's just 
makes us feel wonderful to know that we're having an influence in a positive way on all of you. And that's the reason we want to bring to you content like what we're talking with you today. And when you accept starting with the mindset that maybe some of your thoughts about money, about wealth accumulating, about rich people, maybe some of the software that was loaded into your head originally is not the software that you need to have to get you to the next level financially. Just start with that you know, in your mind. Say, maybe the way I think about money is the reason I don't have more money. And by thinking, it's essentially the preconceived notions you have about the people that are rich and the people that um, essentially how they went about building their wealth. When you realize how politicized uh, that has become, that information has become, you're going to probably feel a huge sense of relief. So that's what today's show is about. So Julie, uh, oh, and one more announcement, sorry. We have um, the audiobook of Harris Rules should be coming out later this year. I'm hoping third quarter, so that's a big announcement. A lot of you guys have been asking about that. And we're about to sign another contract for our new book, which is going to be also called Harris Rules, but Harris Rules, and it's going to be drilling down specifically on topics like this, frankly. It's going to be drilling down on really how to uh, build wealth over um, a lifetime that essentially becomes transformative for generations to follow. Julie and I have been – this is kind of an interesting topic for us. We study this. We're really fascinated by it. We're fascinated by, frankly, what really intrigues us is why more people don't do it because more people not doing it tells us that the pull against wealth creation is greater than the pull for wealth creation, and people don't realize where they are in that tug of war. And they don't realize oftentimes the thoughts and the actions they're taking are pulling them away from wealth creation. So hopefully you guys like this podcast. We enjoyed putting it together. So, Julie, welcome to today's show. Yes, thank you, and thank you for explaining to them what WealthX actually is. This, uh, Especially this first part of the podcast is very just flat-out fact, no opinion, nothing political about it. These are just the facts based on the raw research. So if you want to jot some of these things down, I think there's was, there was a lot to this. I think it was a 26-page report. We're not going to do 26 pages of information today. I just pulled out what I thought and what you thought or perhaps some of the more intriguing facts. So let's start with just some basic uh, definitions, just some financial definitions. The very high net worth, or BHNW, if you're ever reading reports like this, very high net worth individuals are people with a net worth of $5 million to $30 million. Then there's another category called ultra-high net, because I guess very high didn't sound fancy enough, so the ultra-high uh, are for individuals with more than $30 million, also referred to many times as the, quote, ultra-wealthy. So if we're tossing terms around, those are the two differences. And, and this report also included people, you know, that, that first term was 5 to $30 million. They also referred to people at a million to five as well throughout the report. So we're pretty much covering our bases. Now, the very high net worth population, those 5 to $30 million, expanded really strongly in 2019, rising by over 10% to 2.7 million individuals. Now, this was a really sharp acceleration compared to the Hey, Julie. 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 Yeah. Your phone's cutting in and out. Okay. So I'll I'll pick up where you left off. Back All right. In. So here's what we here. Okay. So here's what we learned from WealthX. Basically, just to catch you up, there's and you guys need to know this when you're selling luxury real estate too. This is very, very important to understand, again, the nature of the people that you're trying to work with. So just in the, the very high net worth, BHNW population, whose net worth is between 5 and $30 million, um, they, it, it rose by 10%. And here's, I'm going to share with you guys these numbers. 
The sharp acceleration in growth, uh, growth from just 1% in 2018, the combined net worth of very high net worth individuals also increased over 10% to 26.6 trillion. Now, here's why this matters, okay? It's be what you're seeing is the number of people on planet Earth who are considered very high net worth. And some of you might be surprised that 5 million is considered very high net worth. I was. I thought that, frankly, was not that high, but it doesn't matter. So the number of people who have very high net worth is slowly and steadily increasing. Now, what I want you to understand is where, the, uh, where they are increasing from, how they're going about increasing that net worth. So the very high net worth population in the U.S. had a highly prosperous year, and the country remains by far the largest wealth market worldwide. The U.S. very high net worth population, which grew almost 16%, and their combined wealth uh, accounted for approximately 30, 36% of the total uh, global, you know, total of very high net worth people on the planet. So 30%, 36% of all the very high net worth people are in the United States. So that's probably one of the reasons why so many people want to come here. And here's what's really fascinating, too. They broke this down. Again, if you're selling luxury real estate, you need to know this. Know this. Uh, New York remains far and away the leading very high net worth city with over 110,000 such individuals in 2010. So think about that for a second, guys. You've got 110,000 people in New York City alone that have a high, very high net worth. Again, between you know, you're looking at between basically five million and thirty million. And yes, some of you are wondering if that includes the value of your real estate. It does, but we'll get to that in a second. Eighty-five percent of the very high net worth population have created their wealth entirely through their own efforts. Now, that is the thing that Julie and I love to um, point out when we're uh, doing live events because people don't understand that. The remainder compromises those whose net worth stems from a combination of inherited and self-created wealth, uh, and whose those whose wealth derives solely from inheritance. So here's the moral of the story. 85% of all the folks on planet Earth, well, let's just focus on the United States because these are U.S. statistics, had created their wealth themselves in their lifetimes. Does that surprise any of you listening? Because isn't the perception that the wealth, rich people basically, are inheriting all their money or they're somehow, you know, that, they're cheating the system somehow. Isn't there politics that are sort of ebbing and flowing with this very high, you know, the very high net worth or the topic of rich people? So when you realize that the people who have very high net worth are just like you, because they are. They're entrepreneurs. They're business owners. They're people that, you know, took calculated risks. They're people that, now we're going to get to the ages of most of these people in a second. That'll really blow you away. Again, all this surprises me every time I read it. So, Julie, you should be back. In 2019, there were a total of 25.2 million people with a net worth of more than 1 million. Those are just mere millionaires. So think about that little statistic for a second. So in 2019, there were a total of 25.2 people, 2 million people with a net worth of more than $1 million, $1 million you know, mostly, and you'll read this in a second. I'll read it to you, coming from the value of their house. The breakdown of by WealthX uh, uh of major wealth tiers highlights the extent to which the distribution of wealth is spread unevenly among the wealthy. Almost 90% of these millionaires have a net worth of $1 million to $5 million, entering the club at just a million. Such individuals are often corporate executives, those who inherit a significant sum, or even those who have an expensive asset, such as a large home, a luxury apartment, you know, New York or what have you. And many of the cities have seen a dramatic uh, increase in the value of property. So a lot of the people that have a net worth of $1 million 
have a net worth of $1 million because they've owned real estate, and, that, and they've lived in the right places. They've lived in New York. They've lived in San Francisco. They lived in maybe some of these other global – I mean Paris. They lived in London, and the asset increased in value. It made them millionaires. Again, inf- information useful to know. New York City is the leading very high net worth city uh, by a huge margin, whether it's the billionaire ultra-high net worth or the very high net worth level. New York is the preeminent global city for wealthy uh, reflecting its status as a global financial center and home to the largest regional economy in the U.S. commercial opportunities around finance, business, commercial. Okay, you guys get the idea. I don't think anyone's really surprised by that. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about the demographics. I, I don't, so drilling down on where on the planet you're going to see a lot of these very high net worth people. Okay, here, so here's what we're going to do. Julie, are you live? You Thanks. are. You're, okay. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, now, here's some statistics and some facts for all of you, okay? So who qualifies as a luxury, uh, you know, what varieties by market? In the U.S., for example, the average price of a luxury home is $2.5 million in Los Angeles, $3.6 million in New York City, $1.5 million in Fort Worth. In Texas, it's $2.3 uh, in, uh, in Miami. It's $1.1 in uh, Cincinnati. 2018 edition of Luxury Defined and Insight into Luxury Residential Property Market published by Christie's International Real Estate. So there we go. We're getting into some more statistics and some more facts. So if you look around the country where people are basically um, you know, accumulating wealth, they're in these you know, expensive areas and by just being in the right place at the right time, uh, you are going to see a higher probability of being able to accumulate wealth. And this is something that is uh, – I learned – very acutely when Julie and I really started coaching is because we would be in Columbus, Ohio when we sold real estate and we'd be coaching agents in California and Florida and some of these other markets where you would see these people that uh, agents who are often, you know, ironically younger than us who would become millionaires just because they were in the game. They were buying and selling real estate. Now buying and selling real estate by itself does not make you wealthy because you have to buy the right piece of property in the right area. But over time, what you're seeing is essentially owning a home. If your goal is to you know, one day be rich where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money, is pretty much one of the easiest ways to go about be accumulating wealth over time. And that's something a lot of people don't quite understand, that that by itself is going to be the secret sauce for accumulating a lot of money. It's basically by owning a property in one of the high-growth areas around the country, you're going to have the opportunity, a higher probability of becoming rich. If you're living in a place like Columbus, Ohio, or you know one of the Midwestern markets, and you're feeling like the wind's not at your back with regards to accumulating wealth, you're right. And, and we're going to get into more of this in the, um, later today or tomorrow. But here's the other thing that's very fascinating. A lot of the very high net worth individuals are also living, New York City aside and California aside, are also living in area, areas where the taxes are less. So the very high net worth people have the opportunity to accumulate more money when they have two things going for them. They're in a high housing market, right, and where a lot of people want to move to, where there's a lot of new employment, a lot of opportunity along those things. And number two, they're actually in a low-tax state. Because if you look at essentially the amount of money that some people are paying in taxes in, say, New York City or California, it's a lot, even though, like, obviously we've had thousands of coaching clients in California. Sale price is higher, and all that is great. But when an agent in California, the highest tax bracket, brings in, say, you know, a $20,000 commission check, they're only really keeping, after taxes, half of that. 
And so when you look at their expenses and, and whatnot, the percent that the average agent in a high-tax state makes versus the average agency like Texas or Florida, it's not even close. The average agent in a high-tax state is going to pay, is going to essentially have, because of the nature of their tax situation, they're going to have, you know, at the low end 8%, but realistically 15% less that's going to be able to be used for reinvestment. Again, this goes to if you want to accumulate, you have to be in a place that's going to be conducive to it, and that's not true for the whole – in all of the country. So drilling down all of this, here's where we get interesting, or I think it gets really interesting. So education. Now, this is fascinating. Most people think – and there is a higher probability of being a very high net worth or ultra-high net worth individual if you have uh, – you know, if you've basically been connected through having fancy degrees and whatnot, but in, education in itself – is not an automatic precursor for the accumulation of wealth. Now, think about that for a second. How many of you listening have accumulated student loans predicated on the idea that you are going to earn more money? It wasn't how you were sold the idea that you get this degree. Obviously, someone with a degree versus not a degree is going to earn more money over their lifetime, thus the investment in the higher education. Is that still true? I don't know. It seems that maybe it's not. And so this goes to maybe a political conversation about really the value of higher education and whether or not people should be actually going into debt and whether or not people should actually be even wasting you know, what might be a waste. If their goal is to make money, maybe people should be not going to college to earn you know, degrees in basket weaving. Maybe they should be really focusing on, for example, a real estate career or really focusing on a trade. I mean these are different types of thoughts, but see what we found – is when you study the people that have very high net worth and ultra high net worth, that's what they've done. You know, Julie and I, we live in Puerto Rico. We live uh, at the Ritz Carlton, Puerto Rico. We run into people that are staying at the hotel, paying a thousand plus a night. Some of our neighbors here have their own private planes. You guys get the gist of it. And one of the things we are never really surprised by, but always kind of pleased to discover, is to a person, almost all of our neighbors are self-made. They're and they've made the money by uh, mostly the service economy, the service sector. They're not, there's not manufacturers that live down here. What you see is guys that are similar to Julie and I. They're business consultants, or they've made their money in the financial services. And one of the interesting things is they're almost never um, what you'd call an Ivy League sort of like gilded type person because that's the reality of what it takes to accumulate in, uh, you know, be an ultra high net worth person is the reality is, the probability is, is that you were just a normal person coming from a normal market who decided basically you're going to think big and you weren't going to let the confines of maybe your original coding and software with regards to money and wealth accumulation hold you back from basically having a bigger, more prosperous future, those types of thoughts. And oftentimes, Julie and I talk on the podcast, we've talked in our books about the fact that one of the greatest inhibitors to becoming rich and accumulating wealth is the people you surround yourself by. I just discussed with you a little bit about the importance of location. So let's drill down location, and then we're going to talk about the people you surround yourself by just so you can take these points home with you, okay? So number one, if you live in an area where essentially everybody is like you, you live in an area where everybody is essentially uh, earns the same amount of money, houses at the same price, everyone has the same thoughts, everyone does the same things on the weekend, everyone votes the same, everyone drives the same car, everyone has the same haircut, everyone does, 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 does. you're never going to break free of that. What you've done is you've essentially built yourself a golden cage. You might have a nice life. You might have a great lifestyle. You might – all the rest of it is very – but it's going to be Groundhog Day for the rest of your life. And it's not until you travel outside of your, your market, your home market, 
that you into frankly really rich areas that you realize what I'm saying is true. I'll never forget the first time. Well, when Julie and I, Julie and I had been married for basically 30 years, and and we were in our 20s and we started traveling, and we would always try to travel to places like Newport Beach, California. You know, we eventually bought a house in Laguna Beach, California, which is right by Newport. But we wouldn't even known about Newport, even had the dream of buying a place above the Montage Hotel in Laguna Beach, had we not actually um, had that experience and forced ourselves to get out of our comfort zone. So your location really matters from a, perspe- from a perspective of, of exposure, but your location also matters from the perspective of opportunity and, frankly, taxes. So when you look at, for example, you know, we have coaching clients that are, work, you know, work and sell in an area where the average sale price is a million and a half. Well, they sell a house. The gross commission is going to be forty to $50,000, right, if we only get one side. So they're in, an oper- they're in a market that if they work, they're actually going to be able to earn a hell of a lot more money than, say, for example, when Julie and I were selling real estate. And for a while, our average sale price was only two fifty, right? So we had to sell five, six times the number of homes to make the same amount of money as that one person did on that one sale. Now, we eventually wised up and we eventually realized that why don't we move to the areas, again, location guys, where we're not just going to be exposed to different types of people that think bigger just because that's the way they live, but also because, frankly, the sale price of the houses will be higher and we can make more money in commission. These things make sense, right? This goes to location. Now, here's the other thing. Exposure to people. This is one of the biggest hardest things to accept as you're trying to accumulate more wealth is the people you surround yourself with. And I'm not just saying in terms of immediacy of people, that obviously has an influence, but also the people you allow in your head, the coaches, the trainers, the books, the podcasts, the brokers, the, the, everything around you. So most everybody around you is around you because they're similar to you in beliefs and expectations. You can think to yourself, when is the last time you ran across anybody in your world? Like if you're at the gym and everyone's essentially at the gym, they're looking like you, working out like you, and all of a sudden somebody walks in that is obviously in vastly better condition, you know, can run a four-minute mile, just as an absolute stud or stud at, in the, in, you know, physically fitness-wise. When you see that person, they stand out. So the rest of the group of you who are basically the same, operating at the same level, you go through a mental process. And the mental process is – rejection of that person they're not part of our tribe we're going to you know hopefully they're not going to show up tomorrow and make us all look bad or you're going to go up to that person if you see that they're going to be a regular and you befriend them because you know that person's going to help elevate your game because they obviously had at one point broken through the limiting beliefs they had about their physicality does this make sense guys well that's what happens when you decide to expose yourself to other people you that are going to be you know essentially reinforcing your thinking bigger what's going to happen is those people are going to be mostly very, very happy to show you, help you, befriend you along your path upward because they know that's like a moral obligation to help people. Everyone innately feels that way, and if given an opportunity, people almost to a person almost feel blessed for the opportunity to help somebody else if you're sincere about wanting help. I've certainly found that in my life, and hopefully you guys uh, perceive that that's how we feel about all of you as well. So the moral of the story is, is if the people you're surrounding yourself by are essentially just like you, you're never going to rise to the next level. If the people you're around, that are around you think about money and think about essentially having limiting beliefs about money, you're never going to rise to the next level. So that's the reason you have to aggressively, depending on what your current reality is, right? you have to aggressively fight against your tendency to want to be comfortable. 
Being comfortable is the greatest destroyer of potential. Being comfortable is akin to being lazy. So when you're fighting every single day to feel comfort, you, know, you have to realize what you're doing is you're basically killing your potential because comfort in this, you'll find what you want in discomfort. You'll find what you want when you're being uh, essentially forcing yourself to be uncomfortable every single day. The discomfort, the being uncomfortable is where the growth is. So where are you going to focus your energies with regards to what I just said? If you want to know where your focus needs to be, write down a list of all the things that you hate doing in the business or that you never will do. And here's what's funny when you do this. You're going to write down things, and when you look at what you just wrote down, they're going to be the very things that are going to lead you to getting paid the fastest. Don't you think that's fascinating? I do. So when you write down the facts, how many of you right now are going to actually pick up the phone today and call for sale by owner? I'm going to guess because I've done this for a long time. Maybe 80% of you would consider doing that. I'm sorry, 20% would have considered doing that. 80% of you would revolt against the idea. Oh, no, no way. I'm not going to do that. I, you're going to have all these fancy you know, bullshit reasons why you're not actually going to do the proactive lead generation. So it's interesting. You write these, this list down to the things that are actually going to put you in the position to help somebody make money the fastest, and those are the things that you want to do the least. Why? Why? Because doing those things takes skill, and doing those things might take rejection, and doing those things basically will make you uncomfortable if you're learning how to do it. That's why. So you're trying to be comfortable. There's, and we talk about this all the time. There's industries, an entire industry. In the United States alone, it's got to be billions of dollars of these companies that have come about mostly since 2008, who are just in the business of selling you into complacency and comfort. They're selling you leads. They're selling you easy button things. They're selling you drip campaigns. They're selling you all this bullshit that you think is going to save you from ever having to be just uncomfortable. If that were true, these guys have been, had a long enough run of 10-plus years, right, 15 at this point. If those guys really knew what the hell they were doing, why hasn't the number, the agent churn number, in other words, the number of agents that fail, why hasn't that changed at all? I mean, if teams really made a difference, if social networking really made a difference, why is the number of agents failing out of the industry still the same? Guys, I mean, these are stupid things to ask yourself, but they're funny when you put it in context. It's because they don't work, like drip campaigns. You know, all these things that you guys think are going to save you from having to actually do the real work of real estate, those things, are, they don't work. Every single study that's – here's I love this report. The, how many of you guys are thinking that you need or have – an agent networking or an agent um, uh, website. How many of you have that? Well, here's a, a fact for you. According to National Association of Realtors, and Inman News did a nice story about this as well, the average agent gets a total of, wait for it, wait for it, zero leads per year from their agent website. In other words, to find, to get anybody even to go to your website, you have to spend money on some sort of you know, click campaign. Okay, now you're spending money to try to get someone to go to your website. Hopefully your website is optimized in such a way that they're going to want to actually leave their information. And from there, maybe they're going to choose to do business with you. That whole process is just wrought with failure. There's too many, there's too many failure points versus having a list of folks that you actually – you know, part of our coaching program, we actually give you a list of you know, 20 different sources of free listing leads. You can call all those people. Use the scripts that we give you. And actually get right in front of actual people that actually want to sell their houses now, opposed to going about this other route. But you don't do it, or you're not attracted to it, because it's going to cause you some pain. Do you guys get the point? So when you look at essentially the people who have accumulated money in their lifetimes, what generally speaking you're going to see 
is they're going to, you're going to see they were willing to make themselves uncomfortable. Many times they physically moved their location. They went moved to a town or a city that was essentially more conducive, surrounded by people, thoughts, and opportunities to be of service to more people where the average paycheck was higher. Just makes sense, doesn't it? And when you look at the top agents in the country, have you guys ever noticed almost all of them sell real estate in expensive areas? That's kind of fascinating. Well, so here's another interesting statistic. How old do you guys think the average ultra-high net worth person is in the United States? Remember, 5 million to 30 million. How old would you guess? <laughs> I can, I'm hoping I'm hearing your answers. Would you guess in the 20s or your 30s, right? Would you guess that? Well, it's almost 60. It's 59 years old. Now, here's the reason I like this statistic, because it's another myth buster. In the United States, there's this belief that most people accumulate their money in their 20s and 30s, and if you haven't done it by then, well, screw it. You're never going to do it. And I hear this when I talk to some of you who are in your 40s and your 50s and sometimes your 60s where you've given up on life. I hear it from your mouths. You think your ship has sailed. Well, guess what? It hasn't, <laughs> right? You still have time. People ask, you know, it's a nice nicety that people say, oh, how are you? You know, what, those types of things. And here's what I say, and I'm going to pass this along to you guys, and you should use it. Anytime you wake up on the green, looking at the green side of the grass, it's a great day. Anytime you wake up looking at the green side of the grass, it's a great day. That's a simple saying that, that frankly centers me and helps me realize that's really the truth. When you are alive, you are surrounded by opportunity to be of service to other people and make money. So make the most of it. So there's some, some facts for you. 85% of all – and you guys want to just Google Wealth Facts, you'll find this report. But 85% of all the ultra-high net worth folks, 5 million to 30 million, have accumulated their money in their lifetimes. They've done it themselves. They did not inherit it. It was not stolen. It was not cheated. It was, they have earned it from their own businesses. That's a secondary point. I didn't drill down on that enough. Almost all of them were business owners of some variety. Now, business owners you've got to be careful with because there's a lot of people that work at companies that own um, like LLCs, and the company pays the LLC as like a consultant or whatnot. So maybe they're business owners and that they own their own LLC, but in reality they're employees of said corporation. They just set themselves up in a preferential tax way. You know, because now they're employees of their own company versus being a W-2. So there's a little bit of that going on, but just keep it in mind. This is, you know, these elements are all elements that all of you guys have. That's the exciting part. I hope you're taking away from all of this. Um, so, you know, essentially, the opportunity to have very high net worth is achievable in all of our lifetimes. We live in the best country, clearly by country mile. We live in the best country for wealth accumulation. This is one of the I'm. You know, believe the reports or don't, this is one of the best economies I certainly have ever remembered in my entire life. I'm 50. I've never experienced anything like this. The number of people getting jobs and the optimism and just everything that goes with essentially a great economy. You see all these – if you separate yourself from the headwinds of the politics, if you separate yourself from the headwinds of all the people that are trying to brainwash you to get you to think one way or the other, if frankly you separate yourself from any socialist dogma, what you're going to discover is, is that you – because you have a real estate license, have the opportunity to earn as much or, frankly, as little money as you choose to. You made the right decision by getting into real estate. So if you don't find yourself accumulating wealth year after year, the calendar ticks over and you haven't moved the needle for yourself financially, I want you to ask yourself, is it because you live in the wrong place or can you improve your – like Julie and I did just that. 
we were selling in this area called Clintonville, Worthington, and we moved you know, not so far away to this area called New Albany because we weren't accumulating when we were selling real estate in our, uh, in our 20s. We weren't moving the needle enough from year to year, and so we made the conscious decision to move to an, air, an area where the average sale price, you know, where we started with, say, 200 250 to an area where the average sale price was close to a million. Seems smart, doesn't it? And by the way, the skill set that we had was totally transferable. It was exactly the same process, the same scripts, the same everything. We took what maybe would, in retrospect, seem like a big risk because we were selling hundreds of houses in that one market. And by moving across town, our competitors would obviously try to basically eat our lunch by saying, obviously, Harris's aren't focused in this particular market anymore. But we were willing to take the risk because we saw our own financial net worth situation, other than purchasing rentals, wasn't really improving. So we made the leap. In doing so, we then made a whole, bit, a whole group of new friends. And we learned things that we didn't know about lifestyle, about opportunity. We, what we didn't know was so huge in terms of what's potential in your lifetime. And the entrepreneurs that we met when we lived in New Albany, the executives we met in New Albany, we still reflect back on some of the conversations and experiences we had because we put ourselves in an unfamiliar environment because we made ourselves uncomfortable. And then what did Julie and I do? We then wanted to go to the next level. So we moved. We actually doubled down on our coaching business. And we realized Ohio wasn't a great place for us long term for the reasons I'm stating. And then we moved out west. And then, we, you know, we've, now we're in Puerto Rico. I mean, there's a lot of moves in between. Julie and I have owned 27 different personal residences in our lifetime. But the moral of the story of what I'm trying to tell you guys is you will find more stimulation and motivation just by today deciding that you're going to hop on a plane, you're going to go to some really wealthy area of the country and just breathe the air. Sit at the Starbucks and see how people live and know that you're just like them. They're not any different, not any more special, generally speaking, not any more educated than you. Yes, they probably drive nicer cars and have nicer clothes. They might even have nicer teeth. They're called veneers. You know, that happens for sure. But you can do all that too, right? You can get in shape. You can do whatever you want to with your life. You can have those same experiences. There's nothing wrong with you. You just don't realize that you have this for it. And, and going back to the age thing, do not write yourself off if you're in your 40s, your 50s, or your 60s, or even your 70s. We have coaching clients, not very many of them, like three, that are in their 80s. And why do they sell real estate? Because it makes them feel vital. It makes them have a sense of direction. And they need the money, okay? They want to earn money. So the reality of it is, is you, as long as you're breathing air and look at the green side of the grass, you have the opportunity to help people with one of the most stressful things in their lives, which is buying and selling real estate. You need to take that seriously and need to realize that if you're not experiencing the quality of life that you want, if you're not rich where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money, it usually comes down to this little mental juggernaut that, I'm, that I've talked about before, but I'm hoping you guys, it's starting to resonate with you. There is a direct relationship or correlation between the number of people you help accomplish their goals in life and the amount of riches, and you can define riches any way you'd like, that you'll be able to experience in your life. So if you're not experiencing this quality of life, the everything you've always wanted in life, it's because you're not helping enough people. That really is it. So what does it take to help more people? You have to earn the right to help more people. In other words, you have to become the world's best problem solver, and that's what we teach you in our coaching program, problem solving in the form of becoming a powerful listing agent. Being a powerful listing agent 
is a problem solver. So when you do that at a high enough level, you're going to then obviously attract more people to you that want you to provide the same level of service. By service, I mean actually getting the house sold. And then what happens on the other end of that? You're going to start accumulating wealth. So guys, hopefully this is a, you know resonating with some of you. This should be a, a huge aha for a lot of you. I think back as I was talking, if I had heard this when I was in my 20s, it would have been an enormous epiphany for me. Julia, I had to put these thoughts together from a series of, you know, accumulated experiences to be able to verbalize it when I just hopefully did 30 minutes. Again, download the Wealthx report. You guys will have to Google for it. It's not our content, but it really is great. Um, it also talks about essentially the, essentially the amount of money that the uh, ultra-high net worth people donate to charities, amount of taxes they pay, the amount of just what they do with their lives, the things that are most important to them, the hobbies that they have. So if you're selling luxury real estate or hope to, download that WealthX report. Don't ask me for it. You have to go to Google to get it. So if there's anything we can ever do for you guys, feel free to email – or I'm sorry, feel free to text me. Don't call text at 512-758-0206. Hopefully you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. Mm-hmm.